When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Tim McKernan. Welcome into the program, a very special edition of the program today, because our guest is Joe Buck. This is an interview I've been looking forward to doing ever since starting the podcast, and uh, I would like to think that it lived up to the billing. And I told Joe going in uh, that this was going to be random. And if we didn't, if we didn't even talk about sports, it'd be completely fine because uh, I just wanted to talk about a bunch of random kind of non-sports related topics. And then sure enough, that's what we got. Plus, as Joe acknowledged, uh, some, some news of tension between Joe and a, uh, a very prominent St. Louis sports figure and, and the story behind it. And I knew nothing about this. Uh, and it all ties into the, uh, famous Brooks Kepka misidentification of his girlfriend at the 2017 U.S. Open. So uh, look forward to that in addition to a variety of other topics that we get into uh, over the course of what I think wound up being 90 minutes uh, with Joe Buck. This is a good one. Uh, I, I, I don't hesitate to say that because I know that it delivers. And I also want to make sure that I do this as we broadcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly and his staff uh, a sponsor from the get-go on the Tim McKernan Show. I want to make sure that I welcome a new sponsor to the program, and that sponsor is Mark Hanna of Evergreen Financial. Uh, he is our guest sponsor, and so Joe Buck is brought to you by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and we welcome him aboard uh, he has been a loyal listener of the podcast, and he said, I really want to I want to be on this show. And I said, hey, we're happy to have you. And I got a chance to meet him and um, super impressed, super impressed. And from my standpoint, having just totally mismanaged my money uh, in my 20s and even my 30s, like I'm I'm embarrassed by it. Uh, what he does, I feel like I'm telling you about a service that that it's it's easy for me to talk up because I know that people need this service. And since I screwed up and didn't have the service, I, I passionately will uh, will tell you that this is a guy you need to call. And and here's the thing. Uh, the, the thing about Mark at 314-889-0503 and online at evergreenstl.com is is, you know, hey, when, it, when you're in this business, the name of the game is advertising dollars. But I never want to get in a spot for real where I'm going, oh, this guy wants to spend a bunch of money. But, man, am I not sure about the way he operates his business or the product he's selling. That's a weird spot. I never want to get in a spot where I'm endorsing something that I personally am uncomfortable. Just can't do it. You can never get that back. So I met with Mark, and we were more or less talking about advertising initially. And then as we got it, we just started talking about his business, and I just was so impressed um, that it's, it's an easy, uh, it's an easy sponsor to, to, to talk about because 
I know how much I could have used uh, somebody like Mark Hanna back when I was just fresh out of college and starting to, to manage money. And uh, that's why it's going to be very easy to talk about him here on the Tim McKernan Show. 314-889-0503 or check him out at evergreenstl.com. Ryan Kelly and his crew have been with us since we started this thing in October of 2017 with the Gary Pinkle interview that we did at his house in Columbia. And here we are now with Joe Buck. And Ryan Kelly has been the sponsor of the studios from the very beginning. Online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly is his name. And not only can he help you if you are in the market to buy a home, he can also help you if you are in the market to refinance. Because right now, with interest rates as low as they are and home values as high as they are, the cash-out refi can be a great way to eliminate credit card debt. If you have a bunch of credit card debt, don't feel bad. The average credit card debt is $16,000 for an American household. Well, Ryan Kelly can take care of that right now. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com and do the cash-out refi, and now you're going to have a much lower interest rate. The system is built to keep you in the hole. Here's how you get out of the hole. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly. And Ryan Kelly is joined by James Carlton of James Carlton State Farm Insurance. James knows how passionate our audience is, and I am passionate about what James Carlton does. This is so great because I get the chance to know these people, and then I'm like, wow, now I've got people in these respective industries. Well, you can do the exact same thing. Doesn't have to just be me because I know him. Uh, you'll get to know them as well. You've heard Ryan Kelly on the air and the way uh, he's all fired up about his industry. Well, James Carlton is passionate about insurance, and you go, Dude, it's insurance. You know, I mean, really, who, who can get excited about insurance? I'm telling you, when I need to have an answer to a question regarding insurance and I'm able to text him and then hop on a call and get an answer within 30 seconds, how great that is from a peace of mind standpoint, this this guy, James Carlton, is going to be around for a long time, and they'll do all the work for you making the switch. 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800, or online at carltoninsurance.net, and check out the reviews he gets on Google and on Facebook. It's I'm, it's like, wow, you're really fired up about a guy who sells you insurance. I certainly wouldn't necessarily be that way, and then I do business with him, and then I go, oh, well, now I understand why you're fired up about him because he makes it so easy. James Carlton, the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, then call James Carlton State Farm, 314-961-4800. Make sure you let him know that the Tim McKernan Show Sent you. So all of these sponsors make the podcast possible. And we have had so many great interviews over the course of the uh, nearly 10 months now that we've been doing the show. And this is an interview before we even started the podcast that I knew that I wanted to do uh, because with with Joe, I guess it's good to give the background on it. Um, our intern, uh, Jack was asking, how do, how do you know Joe? And the truth is, I mean, of course, I knew him because I knew of him. But the first time I actually met him and spent time with him was uh, I caddied at Old Warson in 1998. Two years later, I was anchoring at KMOV, so things happened quickly. But I was caddying in the summer of 1998, and Joe was playing around there, and one of my friends was going to get to uh, caddy for him. And I, I, I said, I'm going to give you the tip. You can have it, and I, I might give you some of my own money. I just want to be able to, to get to know him and spend four and a half hours with him and uh, in caddy form. And so that's what I wound up doing. Uh, I caddied for him, and I was so fucking terrible as a caddy uh, that I left Joe Buck's seven iron. I think it was on number seven, uh, so he didn't have a seven iron for the remainder of the round, which is really 
not something that's going to lead to a good tip at the end of the round, but that's on me. Uh, and, and, and so when he would see me down at the ballpark, you know, a year and a half later, he'd be like, weren't you caddy? So now you're doing live shots on channel four, but you were caddying for me a year and a half ago. Yes, that is correct, sir. That's what happened. And so we kind of had a joking relationship about that. And some of you may remember in uh, 2012, it's hard to believe it's been six years, but in 2012, we did a uh, podcast together and, uh, and it was a week of broadcasts. We did it on KFNS. But then we also uploaded it. It was the the Buck and McKernan show. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I remember our first guest was Charlie Sheen. And this was fresh off the Tiger's Blood uh, binge that he was in the midst of. Uh, and then also had Troy Aikman, had Wayne Gretzky, had Alex Rodriguez, had Paul Rudd, had John Hamm, uh, had Charles Barkley. It was, it was, it was nonstop. It's like, oh, hey guys, you almost done with John Hamm because Alex Rodriguez is on hold. And it's like, oh, this is KFNS where you're excited if Rick Hummel picks up on the first ring. So it was a, it was a weird deal, but it was super fun. And Joe and I planned on doing the show. Uh, and then FS1 started up and then Joe thought he was going to be doing more with that. And then he's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to, ah, maybe we won't do it. And then it didn't wind up happening. And I always felt like an ass because we were planning on doing it. And so therefore I said we were planning on doing it and then didn't happen. And so I looked like I was full of shit, but we really were planning on doing it. Uh, So in the process of that, we traveled around because we were discussing how to monetize it effectively. So we went up to New York City and met with his agent there. And we went out to Santa Monica and met with his agent there. And here I am, some hoodlum from South St. Louis, and I'm flying around with Joe Buck and meeting a bunch of people. And I'm like, how in the hell did this happen? But it was a super cool thing. And that's where we became... Uh, what I would like to be considered uh, friends. And so we have a good rapport. And I knew uh, when I'd have him in, I didn't want to go, so what do you think of the Dexter Fowler thing? So what do you think of the bullpen? Should the Cardinals be buyers or sellers? I'm bored by that shit. Not interested. So I told him, I said, hey, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be random. And I got a few things. He goes, whatever you want to talk about, let's talk about it. So it is indeed kind of as usual, random, uh, and all kinds of things are covered. Uh, including um, some stories that I had never heard, actually, uh, about not only Joe, but also about his dad and also about his future, um, all kinds of stuff. It's all it's all there, and I think you're going to enjoy it. It is a good long listen, uh, and we're very pleased to bring it to you here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. My guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies this week is Joe Buck from the HomeLoanExpert.com studio. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Is it's it an starting? honor to have you. It's, 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 it's starting. It's starting. Because Iggy, for whatever reason, is so busy doing whatever, and I'm not sure what, that he just gets up and leaves, and we just assume that it's recording over here. Nobody's bothered to check. So, you know, maybe I could you call you back. walk over say, there? And, you know, no, I'm do I, it's, it's fine. You know, when, when, you ta- when you and I were texting about this, and you said, well, I'd love to have uh, an hour of your time, I thought there is literally nothing that A, I can say for an hour that's interesting, or B, really anybody could say for an hour that I would find interesting. You haven't heard the Rich Gould podcast yet. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, I like your new digs. You yeah. really uh, stepped it up. What in do your you think? World. It's very nice. I've made it a two-minute commute. That's what I have now. I, mean, I, mean, I would imagine this wasn't a long drive for you either. No, this is great. And uh, so good for you. And, and you know, my God, for you to have a daily show talking about St. Louis sports, this is – you've had just a, a plethora of topics and a ripe garden from which to pick. <laughs> 
I mean, whether that, it's, that was like that was a Burwellian opening yes, paragraph right that was, there. It was beautiful. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I could not be more excited about the Blues. I would imagine because you are a passionate Blues fan. Oh my God! I mean, I and then never... what happened? Like on that Sunday, you're like you wake up and you're like, oh, David Perron for the third time, and going, what the hell's going to happen? And then within 12 hours, the whole world. Turned. I was doing a golf event. It was the senior at uh, Colorado Springs, and I was like, yeah, Perron, okay. You've been there, done it, uh, and, you know, Bozak, all right. He's kind of the second-tier guy. Then they get O'Reilly, and it's like, my God. And then they get Maroon. Right. I, it's, I don't know. I'm excited, but I'm I know that's so, – we're not here to talk about No, 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 but I'm, I'm still going to talk about whatever, but I'm so, I'm so fired up. I'm, I just want to see. I saw how happy Kelly Chase was when they were in the Western Conference Finals against the Sharks a couple years ago, and then like all the other dudes who played in the '80s and '90s, and how invested they are, which I think is representative of like the generations of yeah. fans. I realize it's not Red Sox or Cubs, but it's somewhat similar in the bad beats in the postseason and how much it would mean to Blues fans. Yeah, I just would love to see it, and it went from that Sunday going, "Oh man, this is going to be another also ran year," to going man, this could actually be a hell of a year. To the point where they have all these kids that it felt like, okay, they're just going to say, well, these guys are so great in the minor leagues and in junior hockey and all these other things and Cairo and Thomas. And and they may very well be the next wave of great young players. I would love to see those guys in blues uniforms, but it went from we're going to rely on these guys to be great and just grow to they might not even make the team. And that's... Man, they're they're loaded right now. Actually, not to name drop and name drop, but this I is played, a whole podcast. If I want name drops, I want that clear. It's I played golf yesterday with Doug Armstrong, who oh, by yeah. the way is a hell of a golfer. Is and, that right? And was what, my the, partner. What, every, and I let question? him down all day. What were you playing? It was it like a member guest deal? No, I just uh, he just and a, I have just been kind of texting buddies, and uh, he was texting me, and he's like, "Hey, if you want to get together and play," and you know, once he had his big son, his magical Sunday, I thought, "All right, I'll let him play with me." <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Had he I, not gotten O'Reilly, yeah, I was like have... O'Reilly. Uh, yeah, so I, I just I, I I withheld from the urge to just ask him a million questions about you know he's kind of an intimidating guy. He's a big yeah, kind of gruff, but he's hilarious and 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 I think he's genuinely excited. But you know most GMs don't uh, don't start doing cartwheels about who they just got. It's like, let's just see how this see, whole thing comes plays together. Out. Who yeah. else was in the foursome? These are the kinds Bill of questions Rowe. I'm asking. I know Bill Rowe. I'm a big fan. We're in St. Louis, right. so you're going to know. <laughs> I could pretty much go through the last 12 foursomes I've played with. And I will Louis. know them You'll all. Know it. And, and by the way, they're probably the same people because <laughs> I have a group of three friends. Maybe I only have three <laughs> friends that I'm willing to walk around a golf course with for four hours. But uh, And then Rick Ewing, who's the teaching pro over at Old Warson. Yeah. So we... We went. I let Armstrong down all day as as his partner, but man, that that dude can play. What's his what, what's his uh, ballpark handicap? You think? Uh, he's indexed like seven point four, and I'm telling you, there isn't a member guest in America that wouldn't, if you were lucky enough to get him as your partner, wouldn't send a limo to get the guy and say, "Please show up." What, what's that? A nine? Yeah. You're gonna get a shot on half the holes, and the guy can flat out just work you maybe he's a sandbagger could be yeah we'll have to look into that we'll do an expose on he's our a show. member of bell reeve he's oh, uh, yeah he's he's 
but he's just another hockey guy that finds golf easy, which just ticks me off. <laughs> Most are, of these guys. There are a like, number of those guys. God. How about Hall, by the way? I was following this online. That's how nerdy I was on the U.S. Open qualifier going on at uh, Old Warson. And Hull makes the turn, and he's at even par, and he's in the list of people that was that was going to get to the uh, the next level. Yeah, he's just one of those guys, and I've, I've played with him a ton now because he's a member over there, and he's just a guy that will get it in the hole on you every time. And he may hit it sideways, but all of a sudden, oh, there he is, you know, like under the hole for eight feet for birdie. And if he could putt, I mean, legit, if he could putt, um, and there are some days where he can. He, yeah. He'd be as good as anybody you could find. Your your number is in the ones I hear tell. That's yeah, what my sources and, and tell I'm me. Kind of That's a, pretty sick. I'm kind of a reverse sandbagger because I will you have go a, through. What, do you have a vanity cap, as they yeah, say? Yeah, I will go through stretches where I'm hovering right at par, right around par, and then I'll have a, you know, a blow-up day, and I'm like, eh, I didn't play good. I'm not going to put that in. So then eventually you become a one-point. At one point, it was 1.0, then it's 1.4, but you can't play enough bad rounds to get it back up to, to what it should, should be. be. You so know, think five, like, oh, you think five. you're really? Well, that's a big difference between Somewhere a one and yeah. yeah. But uh, there are days where it's great, and there are days where it's terrible, but that's kind of how the sport is. How'd you get to the point where you're in the ones, though? Like, have you been getting lessons with some of these guys? You cheat, good for you. Good for you. Where's my uh, little I, bell? I'd I, I mean, you know, it's funny now to cover golf and uh, and see these guys and then watch and get to know some of them on the range. And you realize everybody's kind of the same that cares about the sport. I mean, they, some of these guys can't hit enough balls, and uh-huh. it's it's out of— uh, Anybody stand out to you that you've seen now that you've done a few U.S. Opens? Um, You know, it's there's there are methodical guys like a Justin Rose. You watch him hit the ball, and it's— like, why, why are you continuing to hit a little baby draw seven iron that just keeps hitting the same spot right. over? But it's, uh, I don't know what the word is. I guess it's its just fear that makes people feel like they, <clears throat> excuse me, have to over-prepare. Mm. And maybe that's all the greats do that in, in whatever. You know, you can't prepare enough. You can't hit enough balls. But I think at some point, like Pat Perez has become a good friend of mine, the the tour player, and he's gone the other way. He he's never played better. I mean, he's he's had stretches now over the last two years where he's been, you know, either winning events or right toward the top. Yeah. And he said it's it's the first time in my life where I don't care. You know, he's he's yeah, known he just as, got married, his wife's pregnant. Yeah, you know? he's he's one he's just he's one of the most misunderstood guys. Uh, he's he's the biggest hearted, most genuine, good people kind of guy will tell you to your face you know what he thinks in a good way he's not he's just and and that's why you see guys on tour just he's like the pied piper because it's like they all want to be around him because he's really funny and and he's really honest and uh he's a good guy to be around but i mean it's you see the difference like walking around a batting cage and you know when pujols was in 2002 three four five the ball just sounded different yeah. coming off of his bat yeah. and it it looks different sounds different coming off the club face of Dustin Johnson it it just it's it's a different swing it's almost an inhuman swing and then all of a sudden just explosion and it's you know it's one of those guys that you don't even have to look at who you it is know it's you just know it's shipped. and this is the, the he's playing he's doing this among the best of the best oh. and 
it's just another world. I was talking to uh, Bill DeWitt the third, and he plays with Dustin Johnson in that uh, what member pro at Seminole. The day after the Honda Classic. That's a good day to hang around. Yeah, wouldn't there. that be nice? Yeah, I just hang outside the gates and get autographs. Yeah. That's what I do. And uh, and I said, so, you know, Bill's around to scratch himself, played college golf. And I said, if you crush it and he crushes it, what is the gap? And he said, I'd say 75 to 80 yards. And he missed a short putt on a par three, and he was pissed about it, and that took us to a par five. And he was pissed, and he took it out, and he goes, I've never seen a ball hit further. It had to be close to 400 yards. i tell you, a guy who who just bombs it who you wouldn't think could still do it is couples and it's really so fluid i played with him in cabo three straight days and i walked out of there going oh my god this guy i mean it, i don't know how old he was at the time 50 whatever whatever he was and just that kind of hands high and just kind of loopy doop and then <laughs> bang and it, really? it just it doesn't it's not impressive to hear or watch until you go out to where the balls are and you go, is that, is that you out there? <laughs> or just, is that from another hole that somebody <laughs> hit sideways coming back? But it's, that's kind of been the fun, uh, for, for me covering golf to what, to drive by or walk by a driving range, watch guys practice. I can't get enough of my own driving range. I'd rather hit balls, honestly, than, than play. play. Yeah. And it's probably why I'm a bad putter. Because I, I I like to strike balls. I like to, you know, it's just kind of I can zone out and I can just be in my own little tent and hit balls. Are you so, are you, I, I use the Golf Logics app to keep track of my stats. That's how. Oh my God. No, I'm not that. Okay. So, so no, I've got, so I have got a little me. more. Yeah, you're. A little more. I got a problem. And, a problem. Uh, yeah. But you mentioned Kelly Chase and uh, this will be the controversial part of the, of the, uh, podcast oh wow here we go here's our headline moment so he texted me the other day he said are, are we okay or are you still pissed because a year ago june i make the brooks kepka what can we what can we say on here you can, can we, say anything you want this is wonderful go ahead and drop an f-bomb get comfortable with okay. it okay i have the uh brooks kepka fuck up. all right good and we've broken the barrier yeah so this guy who to be honest with you i knew maybe one or two things about brooks kepka but all of a sudden the guy shoots Lights out on the right. second nine of Sunday at the U.S. Open. And he runs away with it. And then all of a sudden, this chick keeps coming in. This girl keeps coming into the every camera shot. There's this girl. Well, this guy who's working for us, everything, everybody's part-time at Fox Golf because you couldn't survive on what people make to help us at Fox right. Golf because we only have four real major events, really, it's the U.S. Open, and, and you know, that's the focus of everything we do. And so this guy works at CBS, and he comes running up, and he hands me a card, and he goes, oh, that's uh, – I don't even know the name, but uh, so-and-so. She was a she, former professional soccer player. Right, soccer player, right. blah, blah, blah. And I say, oh, that's uh, – and I'm reading the card, and that's uh, so-and-so, and uh, and then Faxon. And, and, and there's argument in our crew whether Faxon did the right thing. By saying, oh, no, Joe, that's uh, Jenna Sims. She and Brooks just started dating, you know, recently and and whatever. And I, I was just like, oh, you know, you just do four straight days of basically nine hours of live TV. And I felt like it finally went really well for us at Fox. We've kind of been cursed, uh, you know, just whether it's been golf course uh, you know, set up and everybody's complaining. Chambers or, Bay. Chambers Bay. Uh, you know, heck, we just had 
Chinnacock and Phil Mickelson putt a moving ball because he was ticked <laughs> off. So, I mean, it's just like, hey, here we come. What's right. it going to be this week? Uh-huh. But we kind of got through it, and we all felt good. And then you make that going, in essence, going off the air. And it's like, you know, in this world, that's going to be the only thing anybody talks about. All of a sudden, that usurps the the gaff becomes the story, not the nine hours every day prior to that. So, I mean, I was having a meltdown. And, and I... And, you know, people say, well, what, you know, it was the other guys handed you the card and it was the wrong info, but he handed me 50 cards during the course of the week that made me look way more intelligent or uh, informed than I might otherwise have been. So, I'm, you know, so the guy made a mistake and and I have to kind of wear it. Uh, but I'm dry. We're driving to the airport after that in Wisconsin. And my wife and my daughter, Trudy, are trying to pump me up and it's not a big deal. And, you know, they're trying to come up with the right things to say. And I, I just, I was like shaking. I was so, really? I was furious with myself, with the situation. I'm like, you know, only, only me, you know, this, this guy wins. Oh, she's in every shot. I get, it just was like the perfect storm. I heard you talking about this. I love that no laying up podcast and you're on it deleting into uh, Shinnecock like about a month ago. And I heard you talking about like how much, how upset you were. And I was legitimately surprised to hear how upset you were with yourself on that. Cause oh I God. honestly, I'm like, oh, cause I knew, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously I do this, not at your level, of course, but you know that there are people behind the scenes. I know that you didn't know that obviously you wouldn't have given the wrong person. So I knew, so I thought well, it might be your guy, Steve Horn. No, but he was, would never do that. <laughs> and, and that's why he's my guy. Right, you know, there's right. certain people, but I just, my point is, I don't think that I didn't, I don't think it was. It's like when I went through the Albert Pujols fun and games five or six years ago, and you called me and, and were kind enough to try and counsel me. You go, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody when cares. it's you, you think everybody's like going to Starbucks the next day and going, oh, my God, did you right. hear? Right. So Joe, I'm imparting that on you, even though it's been 13 Joe months, and I'm like, Buck nobody the, cares. The, the wrong three-week-old girlfriend. So, so for as great as that telecast was, I, I don't think – I was really surprised when I heard you saying oh that. Oh, my God. Up. So then Kelly – this is, all goes back, so I'm giving you the next layer, which it, on the No Laying Up podcast, right. nobody cares. Right. But Kelly texts me. Kelly Chase. We're Kelly Chase texts me on the way to the airport, and it's like, hey, just so you know, Ray Lynn and I are still together. Ha, oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and, what, and I was like, you talk about not being in the mood. Oh, I'm like, God. I'm staring out oh. the window with a single tear rolling down my cheek. And I get this, and I'm like, you mother- Oh, did you motherfuck him? Oh, God. Did yeah. you? Oh, you didn't? Crushed him. Oh, and then it sat no, there. No. Did you, so forever. you actually sent it? You, or did you type it and then debate whether or not oh, to send I, it? No, I wanted to send it before I typed it. <laughs> I was so pissed. And uh, and we haven't talked since. No way. Yeah. But So he just ran I have a little sense of timing. Like, I, I don't care. Come on. Now so so I mean, now this year, of course, Brooks Kepka wins again so down the stretch oh, i'm go. sitting there and my laptop is open as yours is and i've got the usga app on one side because that's really how i follow all the entire championship and then on the right side it's like a split screen i've got all my text so now here comes brooks kepka you know he's at 16 and he's winning and he right. hits par five it's one to like one inch you know he's gonna win and all my friends are like Better get the girlfriend right. Better get the girlfriend right. And oh, I would just never send that. So, okay, yeah, you wouldn't, nor would I. It's like, okay, it's it's funny if 
you know, say it to your wife and laugh and, you know, have another glass of wine and shut up. But I, I, I was, so whatever. So he, he, he thinks that I'm like, I'm, I have no, uh, thick skin whatsoever. So, so, so Chase reached out to you recently. Is that what happened recently? And I just kind of let it go. So what did you say? Nothing. Oh my God. Is that so this I know, is still going bad. on in his mind? Let but him chew on it. it. But if think... you were if you were over it, you would have responded. I it mean, was, you husband him. You husband over the moment. I don't. The moments come and gone, and you talk about dead and buried. It's beyond dead and right. buried now. But you know, he can chew on it for a little while longer. Oh, so nice. send him this clip. <laughs> yeah, we'll play this with Joe Buck. Dan Caesar will not be able to write about Steve Schlanger this week. He's going to write I, about I, you, that's right. and he's going to write about the Kelly Chase. feud with Kelly Chase. And <laughs> good, I, honestly. <laughs> Uh, you know, he pissed me off. I can let him walk around a little pissed off, and that's good. Oh, so I'm evidently I'm vindictive. I didn't really know I had this. Yeah, it's kind of gangster. You're kind of Michael no, Corleone. I, I don't know. No, no, Michael Corleone would have <laughs> had him taken out right that night. It would have been a horse head and Kelly Chase, Chase and Ray Lynn's bed. Oh, but I gotta tell you, now we know Chase busts balls with the best of them. Yeah. He does like you know he owns part of Inside STL and sometimes I'll send like a group email. Oh, so I'm ripping one of your own. No, right? no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But, but but the point is, is like he'll send like I I'm having like a conversation about you know this or that second quarter financials whatever and then I go, where's the distribution check? Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, hey asshole, it's right. a group email. Right. You know, but I know what he is and what he does and you just kind of go okay you know it wasn't the right I'm time I'm just saying had a day gone by had a week gone by ha 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 it's funny we move on but one an hour after second after I'm out of the booth and I'm like shaking in the back of the car and my daughter's like dad it's okay you know it'll be it was just like it was the wrong time oh, god so anyway there you I go I think I think, even though I know Chase is one of the great ball busters of all time, I think he probably didn't think it was that big of a deal. Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah, he's not. Right, I know that. But I don't. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I think I sent a tweet about it, and I would never tweet like something about a friend of mine that if I'm like, oh, that really must have fucked yeah. him up, because I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I well, really I didn't see didn't. the tweet, or I wouldn't be in here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second straight day I've had somebody who has a grudge with me. Well, you don't have a grudge. Rich Gould said, he goes, Junior, I'm mad at you. And I go, but what? And he goes, I can't remember, but I just know I'm mad. And oh, I go, that's good. <laughs> well, no. I, it's all childish stuff. No, I get it, it but we matter. do care about things. You I get it, but I don't think you, I just, When yeah. you're in the box, when you're the one, and I've been the one multiple times in my career, mm. it you wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it, you're walking oh, around and your you idle don't sleep. thoughts go yeah. to it. And then you go, you know what? Eventually you go, what am I freaking out about you know who cares and so i reached out to brooks i apologize i got his number of course from Faxon, who's like the the tour kardashian who knows everybody <laughs> is who everybody is dating and has everybody's cell and everybody's coach and everybody's coaches coaches sell and i said uh hey get me brooks's number to fax and then i texted him he's like man i are you kidding yes like he's like it's fine and so then he and I be, have become friends since. Yeah, I saw what he visited you at the booth in Yankee Stadium or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was uh, in Florida. It was. You at, were calling uh, a Marlins game? What the hell happened I don't there? Know what game? It was Tampa. It was Tampa Bay. <laughs> you were calling a Rays game? Still question. What yeah. the hell were you doing there? There might have been an. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. It was something. It was in Florida because he was. He just came over. 
from wherever he lives. And so then this last U.S. Open happened and I texted him. I said, I got her name right <laughs> three times because every time she came up on screen, I was like, Brooks Kepka, uh, <laughs> who won it last year, went to uh, Vegas with his girlfriend, Jenna Sims, <laughs> and then just kept doing it louder every time. So anyway. I saw it. you post on Instagram. That reminds me, I got to do an Instagram story. I've become a Kardashian in that sense. I need to do that. I dumped Instagram. That's what I was just about to ask you. Yeah. But but why? I think it's... Uh, but 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 it was like a private account that only like your friends had. Yeah, it wasn't because like so so you, so you couldn't stuff. make it hating no. stuff. So what was going on? A friend, a couple, one friend of mine texted me. He's like, "What happened?" I said, "Nothing happened." Well, I wasn't going to do that. But well, yeah, right. so, <laughs> I said, "No, zero. I just I I think it's there's something in my mind that if I have something that hasn't been checked, whether it's a wound or a text or an Instagram post or whatever, and I feel like I'm behind, I find myself in times when I shouldn't go and check it. You know, like I was, I was getting into unnecessary fights with my wife because I was, I, something in the back of my mind is like, Oh, you haven't checked Instagram in a while. I see why people get obsessed or, uh, you know, this, this terrible habit of constantly going on and feeling like you have to catch up. And yeah. I was like, look, am I, I, if my kids have a great picture, meaning my older daughters, they can send it to me. And if I have a great picture, I can send it to them. And beyond that, I really don't care about what anybody is posting. There's nothing of value in that yeah. to me. In fact, I found myself, you know, I would see like some golf contraption that would, you know, hold my grip in a better spot as I took it back or, you know, like a pair of Nikes on Instagram that, oh, I got to get those. And I, you know, all of a sudden I was like the mom in, uh, or my mom for, for God's sake, who's got more outstanding bills from late night, uh, shopping, <laughs> Uh, hey, if you get this in within the next 30 seconds, we'll send, we'll throw in some face cream. Uh, so you were purchasing off the Instagram ads and going down the rabbit hole of checking on all kinds of yeah, shit that you really like, didn't. What am I, what am I really, I mean, I, I kind of liked it because it was a private I don't have account. Time. I don't have time for this stuff. I'm turning into get off my lawn guy. I'm like, you know, it's, I just don't have the time to check all that crap. But so, I mean, it's, it's done like kind of like while you're like standing waiting for an elevator or you're in the back of an Uber. I or know. Something. And so, God forbid, for anybody listening to this, and I apologize because this isn't interesting. No, you always say that when you do interviews, and I find this stuff to be the most okay. interesting shit. So I apologize for that. And then I urge anybody to actually look up while you're getting on an elevator. Make eye contact with another human being walking the planet. Maybe say hello, how's your day, whatever. But everybody is so closed off in their own little silo now because of their phones uh, that nobody really interacts anymore. And when they do, it's nothing but like nasty crap, whether it's political, religious, whatever it might be. Everybody's like, get away. You, you're, but see, that's why I like so your thing because it was only like a few hundred people. And it was like, so it was private. So you weren't going to wind up with, hey, you fucking suck or something like that. So it was kind of like a nice, right. it was an oasis of social media. Your account was an oasis of social media. And, and you know, Troy was. Uh, yeah, and Troy was, Troy and Aaron Andrews were always commenting on your stuff. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm a little but behind that's the scenes okay. to Fox. They can tell me when I see them on, <laughs> you know, I mean, okay. 
And I'm like, I'm gonna walk away from a comment on my Instagram, going, ah, "What a day!" They liked my picture. Aaron Andrews said it was, "My kids are cute." I said, "Woof! Wow, dear diary." So I, I just don't. I see no value in it. I think you'll be back. You've said this about Twitter before. You, you, you have binges but on that Twitter. Was, that's a. That's an entirely Isn't different it? experience. When's the last time you? I'm gonna go to your Twitter feed and see when the last time you tweeted was. Uh, when, when, well, do you even know it? but that's not gonna be fair either because I have somebody tweet stuff for me. You so, have, oh, you have a you have a tweeter? That's what publicists do. Oh, so how about that? I don't mean to burst your bubble, but <laughs> it's probably not Tom Hanks uh, <laughs> posting on Twitter. Well, here's one of of one of your lovely sons. I don't know Blake or Wyatt by face yet. Me either. <laughs> no, but Blake you're watching is... looks like a Yankees game off to Shinnecock yeah, and U.S. Open. I did that. that can't be your publicist unless no, he or she I lives with you. Yes. I did that one. Uh, but I may have sent that to the publicist ah. and said, tweet this. Because I, I just take it off my phone. When I go on binges, eventually I'm like, okay, I have to stop. Or my wife's going to punch me in the back <laughs> of the head. So, is she on Twitter? Yeah. She's on, she's on some app that... If you put something up, it's on her Instagram, oh, yeah, yeah, her yeah. Twitter, her Facebook, which she doesn't check. But, um, yeah, I, and I think ESPN kind of makes her do that. Uh, thankfully, Fox doesn't really make me do that stuff. Uh. Sometimes you'll, if I sign a deal with some company to promote something, They'll say, you know, we need part of the deal will be a tweet or two. Right. Oh, how many followers does he have? And I, I don't really chase all that stuff down. 203,000 so. is the number. How many? 203,000. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Feel good. Feels mm. good. Especially, yeah. Uh, <laughs> now that I'm over the 200,000. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge barrier. And I see that the most recent tweet is actually about the. Yeah. And I was going to text you. I just, I'm so careful with texting you because I feel like. It can be just annoying because sometimes I know you're in a good mood. Sometimes you're in a bad mood. I don't want to like catch you on a bad one. God, I'm just coming off like a no. Because I'm the thing. same way, and I and I'm and I'd be like, why would I? Why would that? I don't. I don't follow that logic at all. Why would I? If I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, maybe if I'm in a bad mood, I would appreciate a text from you. All right. I'm now. Now you're gonna get all these texts. And you're like, all right, settle down with the text. No. But like your your opponent coming up in your match, the great Bobby Magic, a good friend of mine. Yes. Uh. Sometimes I can tell he'll kill just, me. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't think I he, just my back's jacked up. Really? I just, yeah, I'm, I'm now turning. by the time this airs, that we will have we will have the results of the match because yeah. it'll be I, a few days. The world is waiting. <laughs> the for world. Is, I actually, I, I'm legitimately curious, but that's how big of a golf nerd I've become. Okay, but for the most, I mean, that's what you think, you know? Like, you like I will go into the match tomorrow, and all of my neuroses will kick in. Like, you know, people will talk if I lose to. Bobby Magic, also known as Robert Poor. Uh, if I lose, but nobody cares. I mean, everybody just uh, me and Rob care. Okay, That's and you fine. now will Michelle care? Because she will care because if I lose, I'll have a rotten day. Yes, but how about the wives with the golf thing? Like Anna Marie couldn't be more confused by this because when she was first with me, my obsession was poker. Now I'm off that. And I'm into golf after yeah. playing for 12 years. I think years, it's a much healthier I agree with you. I would, I would agree with you on that. Instead because, of sitting in a smoke-filled <laughs> room with a bunch clinking of degenerates and yes. drinking. Trust I, me. I look back on that and go, what the hell was I doing? It's fun, but what the hell was I doing? So, yes, I do enjoy it. And I, reg I didn't play golf at all in my 30s. I mean, what the hell? What a waste. I, yeah, I didn't. 
I didn't grow up playing golf. I think the probably the common perception, which is a misperception of how I grew up, was like a little privileged rich kid going to a country club. And and my dad just he didn't make a ton of money or whatever he was making was let's say split two ways. And <laughs> uh and so we we had a nice great life, great existence, didn't want for anything, but but we were not like going up to St. Louis Country Club, Old Warson, Bell Reeve and like hanging out at the pool. I think there was a stretch where when I was little, we were members at Algonquin, but I I didn't really play golf and yeah. I wish I had because yeah. I, I think that's probably the best way to ingrain good habits instead of trying to pick it up like I did when I was in my 20s. But So that's when you started, was in your 20s. When I the first time I really played golf, uh I was in AAA Louisville. I think we were, I was broadcasting. I, I was playing with a guy, one of our pitchers, uh, and we went out. We were in Omaha or something, and Stan Clark was his Stan name. Stan Clark is the gentleman's Lefty. name. Lefty. Uh, and we were in Omaha, and he's like, hey, you want to go play golf? And I was like, yeah, I'm bored of doing nothing during the day. And then once I came to the Cardinals and I was working with Shannon, he and I became so close because of golf. And I was, I would tell you there's, there was a stretch there where I was closer to Mike than anybody, including, certainly including my dad. I mean, my dad and Mike would love each other one year, hate each other one year, love each other just because they were so close, you know, in proximity, they're both huge personalities. And, but Mike and I, my relationship formed with Mike over the golf course, because he would set up a tour that Jay Monahan or. Tim Fincham or any of these guys couldn't come up. <laughs> That's what with. I hear about with these Shannon golf trips. It's unbelievable. I mean, we would play Olympic Club in the morning and then go do the Cardinals Giants game in the afternoon. Sometimes go back to the Olympic Club <laughs> on our way to the hotel. And I remember they were having an open U.S. Open there, so we could look up the year. And they had shut the course down. It was like a week, two weeks before the Open was there, and shut the course down for the most part to members. But Mike was best friends with the guy who was uh, president of the downtown Olympic club. Okay. There's an athletic club and then there's the golf club, this guy, Billy Breslin. So he would always get us on. And uh, all it took was like a bag of McGuire autographed baseballs to, mm-hmm. to get on these golf courses. And I, I, I got out to the first tee, which is right behind the pro shop with this huge window. And I didn't have any golf balls. So I came in to the pro shop. I'm like, uh, can I, I'm standing there, and the pro, the head pro, is looking out at our group, which includes Shannon and me, 10 seconds before that. And he goes, I don't know who the hell these assholes are, (laughs) but I am so sick of seeing them on this golf course. (laughs) And then he turns around. I'm like, can I buy three Titleist, please? And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So that that's how annoying we were. But it got me out of bed. It got me to bed early, so I wasn't hanging out in the bar right. getting hammered. Right. And it got me up because we had to tee off before any members really knew we were there at, you know, Medina and Olympic and... There's, there's some best paging, wasn't there? Uh, never played best. Oh, page. really? I thought that was one on, on the Shannon tour. I thought that was. I thought he's. I what mean, has he got in New York? He's got something in New York. I know he does. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't know which um, one it was. I mean, yeah, played Baldusrall. Played. Uh, I don't. I, we never got out to the Hamptons, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was fun. It was. It was the best way, and he and I became best friends by really. Golf Is that together. right? Yeah. And so you would play. Would your was your dad ever into golf? 
he was into it. He just never, never really played. got very good. Yeah. He, he he had a terrible temper. Um, really? Terrible. God, that's surprising to hear. Really? Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard this. Yeah. I've never heard Terrible it. temper. But he, at the end so of So what are you saying? Like, he'd get pissy on the course? Oh, yeah. If he hit it sideways or whatever. God damn it. Really? Yeah. I remember one time he broke 90 at Belle Reve and came home and was like showing me the card and going through the holes. And, and now, I, you know, back then I was like, oh my God, my dad broke 90. And now I'm like, oh, my dad broke 90. That was like a, that was a, you know, a banner day. And <laughs> so yeah, he had a terrible temper, but he loved the game. He always wished he was better. He and Stan, you know, when my dad was as healthy as, as he was going to be in his seventies and Stan would go out to uh, Missouri Bluffs and, uh -huh. and play on, you know, whatever day. They had a day that, that they would go out there together. And, uh, you know, Stan's thing was, yeah, yeah, good, good, yeah, good, good, good. And he'd get up to the <laughs> team. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Yeah, good, good. You know, hey, I like I like noise when I hit. You know, everybody's <laughs> being quiet. He's like, I like people cheering for me. I like. So they, they had a blast. But, uh, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't grow up uh around the game yeah. and so now it's it's become you know it, it is a massive passion in my life and it is something that my wife just does not understand whatsoever. i don't feel like the wives do in general and i feel kind of guilty so now we both have young young tykes now you already have the the older tykes yes uh trudy going to be a freshman at usc yes and, and natalie just graduated living, from indiana yeah right? she's living in new york and is she uh, really all right hopefully gonna work at snl and wants to oh do is she really and yeah, so I remember I mean, texting you about my brother owns the improv shop down where we did the uh, yeah. where we did the Q and A, and so she's so she's she going to improv, improv. Uh, and that's where he did it. He did he went to Indiana and did improv. Oh well, she spent the summers in Chicago at Second City and yeah. did improv, and then actually went to a couple of open mic nights and got up on stage and didn't really have an act, but found her way through one. Which, really? Oh, how proud of you that? Because you know how I could have never done that. Yeah, at that twenty whatever she was at the time twenty. And and getting up like in front of adults at a at a comedy club. She and, did this in in New York or in Chicago. In, no, Chicago. Wow. And uh, one of them went great, and she was all fired up. She's like, "Dad, they laughed," and it was. And then she did another one, and I was like, "Well, how'd that one go?" I didn't hear any reports after that. I was mm. just like, "Yeah, it was a little little sketchy." But she she has the ability, thank God, to laugh at herself. And and she was a kid that was born with kind of these ears that are popped out the side of her head and you know she just had big ears and they they didn't sit back and i remember being at dinner one night in our house and somebody brought up the ear thing or she brought it up and she talked about how kids in her class at rossman used to just make fun of her all the time for her ears and i said well how long has that been going on she's like oh i don't know since she's probably in fifth grade she's like i don't know since first grade or like, you've never told us that kids were making, she's like, oh, I don't care. I was like, God, that's wow. like the most evolved perspective I, for a yeah. fifth grader. And, and, and so she can still do it. So if she fails, I, the only reason why I'm telling you that is because if she fails, she has the, I think she has the ability to kind of slough it off and, and go on. Which, which is so important in oh that my industry. God, oh yeah. My God. So what's she doing at SNL? Well, I think she's going to work in the offices. She's not going to. Yeah, you just got to. Oh, I know. She's not she's going to be on. But I mean, yeah. yeah, just to get in there. That's yeah. That's so awesome. she interviewed with Lauren Michaels. She interviewed with Lauren Michaels. Yeah, on a Friday, and he he walks in to the interview, and I've I've gotten to know him 
again, name dropping, but with Ham and Rudd and guys that I'm friends with that hosted, I would always go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I would go to the after parties, which are way How better. are those after parties? So fun. Are they the best? I mean, what's going because on there? Because they what, go what, to a normal, Nothing. No, it's, it's, but it's closed. So it's a closed... It's where these these men and women finally get a chance to kind of just let loose. Yeah. And it's a locked door. And then it, that's at a normal place. And then they all go to like an after-after bar that goes till 8 a.m. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, for me, that, that people go, oh, my God, what's it like being around fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Johnson, what's it like being around uh, Pujols in the day? What's it like? Oh, it, they're great. But Michael Jordan, you met Michael Jordan, yeah. But going in there and just having drinks with Will Forte or, uh, you know, guys that I watch that I think are just friggin' brilliant and, and they're loosened up and I'm loosened up. And it's just so I found my way to Lorne every time. And he's a sports guy. And so he was kind of interested to ask me about my life and then obviously vice versa. And, and so I got her in the door and, and she had a meeting with him on a Friday. And he walks into the meeting and this big buildup. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet Lauren Michaels. And five minutes later, he's like, well, we don't have a cold open for the show tomorrow. I've got to go. And then he just took off. She's like, I don't think it went very well. But she's found out since talking to other people, that's just the way he that is. he is. He's yeah. just a five-minute guy. He's kind of like a, kind of like a, you know, uh, a test, like the eye test. Like, is this somebody I want? He knows right away, yeah, and like there's that, no need to really drag yeah, out a process. She's not going to yeah. do anything except <clears throat> get somebody coffee or whatever. But it's a good way to get get in the, in door. the door. Absolutely, when she's twenty, be around it and see if she likes it. And that's what I think my dad did for me. You know, it, he never shoved me into being a broadcaster, but he opened. He helped open doors to see if it was something that I would love. Mm-hmm. And when I did two years in minor league baseball, albeit at AAA, it wasn't starting in Hickory, but it was starting in Louisville, which was a legit city. Yeah. And I was the traveling secretary and doing all this other stuff. I, I think he it was his way of going, let's see if this kid really likes it or if he just likes being around me and he likes yeah, the lifestyle. And is willing to put in the work. You're not yeah. just calling games. You also have to do some you of the... You have to do all the other yeah. stuff. And he's like, you know, or does he just like the lifestyle of being around a major league, but you know, who wouldn't mm-hmm. you're, you're on charters, you're in great hotels, you're on the bus, you go to the stadium, you go to the locker room, you go to the broadcast booth. Yeah. That's the way I grew up. But he wanted to see if I loved broadcasting, which I did. And then, you know, the, the rest kind of moved forward. As a dad, are you, how do you feel about your daughter? Is she living in the city or is she like, yeah, know? I mean, I'm a little nervous about that, but she's got a boyfriend who Frankly, I think I love more than her. Wow, uh, you've fallen in love with your daughter's boyfriend. I've yeah. seen some films about this. Yeah, no, it's not what you would typically talk about, let's say, on your show. Uh, he's just a great kid, and he's he takes care of her. And uh, they meet in Indiana. No, he's he's from here, but he's oh really? He's an investment guy in New York. He's actually seventy nine years old. Now. <laughs> I was about to say. Now he made a summer romance. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, He's older. He's 28, 29, somewhere in there. But he is, he's just a good kid and, mm-hmm. and somebody that I, I'm proud that she's with him. And I think his parents are really proud that he's with her. And it's just a good match. Yeah, so at least there's somebody there that's kind of keeping an eye on her. She's not, you know, at one o'clock in the morning coming out of a bar and trying to find her way home. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's got a little bit of uh, protection that way. I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, I have a major regret 
about how I managed my money in my 20s and 30s. I'm almost embarrassed by it. But there is someone who can help you. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy. Now, I met with Mark, and I was meeting with him mainly because he was interested in becoming a sponsor on the podcast. But when somebody's interested and I'm going to be endorsing him, i got to find out about what they've got going on. I want to find out if he knows what he's talking about. And sure enough, after talking to him, well, not even after, in the middle of talking to him, I was saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now financially by managing my money smartly then. Don't make the mistakes I made. Mark can put you on the right track or on the better track if you're already on the right track. And that is the key that people don't think about when it comes to managing money. And it's so important. I sat with Mark. He opened up his iPad. He entered the dollar figures. Could be for your 401k. Could be for your savings. Could be for your investments. And he puts you and your family on the right path for what you want. He helps everyday people every day. And he helps these everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college, to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, to not get blasted on taxes and make sure your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. What about having one daughter on the East Coast and now a daughter on the West Coast with uh, Trudy starting yeah, at USC? Yeah, that, that's hard. I mean, I'm I'm so close with those two. And, you know, the best thing that's happened is having these two boys. So we had twins two and a half months ago, twin boys, my wife Michelle and I. and it has Blake and Wyatt. Blake and Wyatt. And it has gone from when we initially, when I initially had the guts after about two months of her being pregnant to tell the girls that we were going to have a child and then eventually twins they were you know my god what you know you're too old for that this is all michelle this is and then it's gone from kind of like an insecure where do i fit in the new world order and now you're going to have these new toys to play with and you know i'm like old news and we're so close and you don't need anybody else to full on, I can't leave these, you know, the girls cannot leave the boys alone. Like they can't get enough. So it's become, it's brought everybody. It's been the greatest gift that, uh, that our family has ever been given. And, and it's been so good for the girls because they're seeing now what it takes to, to, you know, what it takes to raise a baby or two and the time and the love and the commitment and the you know, weird hours and the middle of the night stuff. And, and for them to see that and then it's someday, hopefully, you know, experience that themselves. They have a little bit of, of personal knowledge with, with what it takes. And they're seeing Michelle, who's this great mom, uh, do it. And, and it's just been, it's been phenomenal. What's it been like for you having been a father in your 20s and now as a father in your 40s and the difference? I mean, you've got some knowledge, you've got wisdom that I am completely blind to as I'm well, in it's, my it's first good time. and bad. I think most of the time ignorance is bliss because you don't know what's coming. Um, but I, we never really had any crazy problems with our girls, you yeah, know, thankfully, I think if, so I think if you put the time in, 
You know, you can avoid some of the traps, not all of them. Um, so I think I, I, I just fight myself all the time of telling Michelle, you know, well, I've done this before and here's how I did it. And, you know, the beauty of it is, is I don't really have a nine to five. So I, I had a ton of time with my girls back then. I mean, yeah, I was gone on the weekends, but I have a ton of time with the boys now. And it's it's not really any different. The The rules have all changed with regard to bumpers in the in the crib and, you know, now what the, the rear facing seats and the way, not that it wasn't back then, but the rules kind of have evolved to where, you know, you have to kind of read the book again to figure out what you're supposed to, you know, let these boys experience and when, and mm -hmm. what's dangerous now and what's considered dangerous. Then it's, it's totally different. The, the equipment's all better now. I know that. I can't imagine having another one other than the one, like at the same time, so having two at the same time. It's good, though. I'm old. I mean, I'm, you know, relatively speaking, I'm 49. These kids are going to be, let's say, well, I don't even want to play that game because I could walk out of this place and get hit by a car. But <laughs> let's say I live a normal life. They're going to at least have each other. Yeah. And I think Michelle and I both feel that way. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work right now, but it's going to they're they're going to have a best friend for life and somebody and now and they have these older sisters now that are mm -hmm. you know going to be 19 and 22 years old. Yeah, that's a huge thing. That's a great thing. It's a great thing. And and that they are so close from sister now down to brother, eventually it's going to be, you know, there there's going to be a lot of I think closeness from brother up to sister and and it just feels good to have that because I'm going to be the guy that's drooling on himself going to high school graduation and like with an oxygen tank and a nurse. I'm not that far off, you know, how old are you? I'm 41. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to be the old dad. Well, my wife's 41 about to be 42. And, uh, yeah, I think you know, I'm like a few days older than, uh, October. Yeah, I'm late September. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for her to carry twins at 41, almost 42 to 38 weeks and, these boys come wow, out 38 weeks. Yeah. Wow. It was, that's, uh, uh, that's the over, so to speak. On it's twins. way the over, uh, <clears throat> she's, you know, it's taught me that, you know, she's taken such good care of herself and put, you know, s such good food and healthy stuff into her body so much more than I have. You don't take her to Carl's. She went once <laughs> and loved it. By the way, I would assume who does. We took her dad and her mom and uh, and her brother. Uh, they were in town. It was like we gotta go. We gotta to go Carl's. to Carl's. And uh, yeah, it's almost like erotic watching her <laughs> eat greasy crap because it never happens. Because it never. never happens. Is she still gonna do the ESPN thing? Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. Um, here's another bit of news that I can tell you. I'm, what do we have? I'm done. What do we with, have? What's I'm going? done with undeniable. Well, I know that. That's where I was going, but I knew that. That's what I said I was going to text you about. But but that was announced. Oh, was you know it? That? I don't even know. <laughs> God bless you. That's great. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, we did 50, and they wanted to keep going. But that's what I, I was going to say. I, you know, because I would text you all the time. And I, as I said, I am hesitant to text you with this shit because I know you get like 50 texts of, Joe, that was so good. And I love getting texts like that. You know, yeah. we all love. And then getting, I go on the internet. Right. Joe, that was so Joe bad. It's terrible. It's got to all. But I love that show, out. and I don't think you got how good you were at that. I really because it's a special trait to be able. Because we both love Stern, which I'm going to get into here. We both love Stern and the ability to do an interview like he's able to do. I don't know what the talent is, but it's a talent, and your ability to do that with 
those guests, that show was must-see television. Well, first of all, thank you. But I, I feel I felt like <clears throat> I was an executive producer with Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley. Peter Billingsley is the guy that that was Ralphie or whatever right. in Christmas Story. Yeah, Red Rider, who works his ass off. I mean, he is he is thorough beyond thorough. And I felt like after fifty. If you just lifted the person that's sitting in the other chair out and put the other person down, the questions were not, it became kind of a, it's got to fit a mold. Like, where were you born? Was your dad a tough love guy? To the end, which was like, what's next? And in the middle, everything kind of had to follow a narrative. And I'm a little more loose. Maybe not, maybe that's not good. I don't know. But I felt like there were times where, we went in other directions that never saw the light of day. Yeah. Because you would interview these guys for like two or three hours. Yeah. Right? Sometimes, you know, Brett Brett Favre came in. We did him at the Super Bowl uh, when it was out in San Francisco area. And he came in. He's like, I only have two hours. I'm like, if we can't do this in two hours, then shame on me. Right. And two hours in, in his life story, he's still like in eighth grade. I'm like, we got it. Brett, we got to pick up the pace here. So let's. So I actually said that to him on the stage, like, let's, which is awkward, as there's an audience there. There's an audience there, but I think by now everybody's so well versed in how TV works, right? They know, they know that'll be edited out, right? And it's like, man, we got to pick this up. But there are different times where you can go in different directions that. I think are fun. Yeah, no, and, I know what you're saying. Because we both like Stern, and it doesn't necessarily fit. But the first time you were on, he probably stuck to the standard get-to-know-you Joe Buck interview. Well, yeah, and, and then and, the second time, it was just like a bullshit festival, and it was great. And they brought me, and he had Michelle come in. and you Which guys were was just, surreal. Yeah, how great was that? And made my daughters throw up because he, he, he was you got asking sexual. me, like, sex story. I'm like, is this really happening That's right what now? I, when like, I was listening, for, I'm like, wow, he's going down this road, and Joe's going down the road with him. Great. He's yeah, the best. I know, but I, I've sent the you know, the clip to both girls and my daughter Natalie's like, this is sick. I don't want to hear this. So she wasn't laughing it off then. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we had fun. And, and I think the beauty of that for me was in talking to Gary and different people afterward, you know, he doesn't really care about sports, which he admits he doesn't, he doesn't really, he didn't probably even know who I was the first time I walked in there. Well, the first time I happened to be playing at old Larson. And I texted you. I had no idea that you were in New York doing this. And I'm like, and you were writing the book. It was the Monday before the Super Bowl. Okay. And I and I'm well. Then that, that must be wrong then, because I wouldn't have been playing there in January or February. But maybe it was the second one. Was, but the first time, in. the first time I texted you, I go, "You're you're because you tweeted something on your put on Instagram that you're in New York at the Stern Studios." And you go, "Yeah, but whatever the thing is, the after show or whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, remember? Yeah, oh, yeah. That so was that, that was for the wrap up show, right? The wrap up show." But then you got the call for the big show, which yeah. was so. So what's that like? I mean, what are you? Because you've I done a so million nervous. shows. I, I that's was what I was so figuring. nervous. I was way more nervous to do that on Monday than I was doing the Super Bowl on Sunday, just because I the Super Bowl is my. I know kind of the parameters of where the thing's going to sit somewhere, you know, between A and Z. But for Stern, I mean, he could go anywhere. But I think if you listen enough to Howard Stern, you realize that kind of the the you know the dirtiness, the the crazy stuff, the all that. I think that's part of his act. But you really hear, I think, what interests him when he's sitting down with 
Billy Joel or he's sitting yeah. down with Paul McCartney or he's sitting and it doesn't have to just be music. You know, a Conan O'Brien one was great. Or so if you get the app, which I've done and you oh, listen yeah. to those That's interviews, what I do. That's, all I like, do. That's what I listen to. Yeah. So Ronnie, the limo driver, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty spent on that. I whole don't thing. listen to those. All yeah. I do is look for the interviews. But the I interviews really are so good. Yeah. And when you re and what you realize is what makes him so good is he didn't really know much about me. But he listened to what I was saying, and he just reacted off what I was saying. And now, you know, he's got a computer screen. I'm sure people are feeding him stuff, or he he was steered back into the interview at times. Uh, but for the most part, it was just a conversation. And I walked out of there like I thought I was on for 30 minutes, and I walked out of there, and it was an hour and 20 minutes or mm -hmm. whatever it was, hour. And I was I was so happy that it went well, and I was so happy he was and is who i hoped he was which yeah so was what was really it like before nice, and after that really nice face looking at you like he, he was really interested in what i had to say which what do you makes see right now when you're looking at me just honestly. a blank kind of a lump. i'm reading all of this there's a prompter behind but me. i, I did the tonight show one time uh-huh again name dropping but i was i was when leno was doing it and the whole time he looked Right past me, and and I don't know who he was looking at, a producer or somebody, and he's another non-sports guy, which is fine. But the whole time, I, I felt like I wanted to keep moving my head over because he was just right over my shoulder looking at somebody giving him something. Like, this is awful, wrap it up, or you know whatever the next question was, or the timing thing. But he asked this question and did not give two shits really? what came out of my mouth. God, so, I can't believe you're in that position and wouldn't know how to do an interview because an interview to me is a conversation. But that's what was so great about your show on on Audience Network, Undeniable. I loved it because that's what it was. It was a conversation. Yeah. It was Stern-esque. It really was. Yeah, I, I'm i proud of those. Yeah. Um, and we just had one, Shannon Sharp, that, that aired maybe last week or the week before. And, you know, people ask me what my favorite one is. And... It's always my answer's always been Michael Phelps because he really yeah he was really out. vulnerable yes. and talked about suicide and trying to you know going into the rehab facility and whatever, um, but the Shannon Sharp one was was so great because not because of me but because he was willing to talk about how you know I don't want to say terrible because that's not fair but he had nothing. He had beyond nothing as a child and talking about how he knew his brother Sterling loved him was when, you know, they only had enough milk for one bowl of cereal and Sterling had gotten up first and Sterling had made himself a bowl of cereal, but he left the milk for Shannon. Wow. And he's like, you know, it's such a nothing, you know, such a little thing, but he's like, when that happened. I knew my brother loved me wow. and, and was there to take care of me, and I was like, "Man, yeah." That's... So you get that stuff, you get that stuff out of people, and that's and I don't like I said they don't. They're, they're, I didn't get that at Mizzou. You didn't get that in Indiana. It's just a, it's just a talent. Like I'm sure Stern didn't get that at Boston University. It's a talent. So that's why when I found out that the show was ending with you as the host, yeah, I know Dan Patrick's Dan still going to be hosting it. it. I was like, ah, but I figured a. Michelle and you had just had twins, and B, now you're going to be calling Thursday night and Sunday night football. Yeah, and I at figured, some point, something's got to go. Right, and I figured that's what it was. Yeah, it it is it is all that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was. I loved working at DirecTV. I, I I really liked the guys I was doing it with. Sometimes we clashed, Peter and and Vince and I, because I think they really wanted it. They, Vince would tell me thousands of times, "This this is like a self help series. This isn't just sports." And uh, you know, maybe he was right. 
I don't, I mean, and, and I'm sure I was wrong. Self-help with a guess, and you were like the therapist? You were Dr. Drew? I mean, He's what, like, what these, these, the way these people have lived their lives, always being celebrated, once you peel back a layer and you find out that they were scared to do this, or they failed here, and that, or they became chemically dependent, or they'd be mm. whatever, and then they picked themselves up and moved forward, that really applies to anybody's life, whether you're picking up trash on the side of the highway or you're you know scoring 90 goals in a season in your Wayne Gretzky you there, there's something in the human experience that everybody can identify with yeah. and and you know there there's some value to that I the I wish that we, we we had these great guests and I wish we could have left more time for current stuff like I'd love to ask Shannon about tight ends in the game or steroids in the game or yeah, you, know, yeah, you could yeah, probably yeah, do yeah, that yeah, with yeah, just yeah. about anybody but you know or you know head injuries you know talking to Ronnie Lott about you know what he's experienced and you know how scared is he of of head trauma and long-term effects of that you know I felt we we do, we dove so deep into their personal story it's like man we got this guy sitting right here let's let's run the gamut of questions that you know, that pertain to 2018. Do you have an interest in doing like a show like that where you don't necessarily have to do that, where you're going out to LA and taping what, like a bunch in a matter of a small amount of time? I think yeah, that's, what it was. it's a lot. It right. Was, but, but it was, it was the only way to make it work. Right. I, mean, I understand financially, that. not just for me, but for, you know, the set and the studio right, and, and the crew and the crew. Right. And the, that's the only but way I'm talking about do like doing things. something like whether you could record it from St. Louis or, you know, kind of like what Eisen and Patrick have done. I mean, I, I feel like you could just, kill that now obviously those guys aren't calling world series and super bowls but i mean that 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 yeah talent, i just don't i don't know you just don't, I, you just don't want to do it because you got enough to yeah chase yeah, that down yeah but maybe someday i will i i could see settling into something else i'd like to get on the other side of this business i'd like to produce i'd like to really yeah i'd like to well, seymour just left the morning after and we're looking for a producer i don't know if that's Is that right i don't know if that's something if you want to i mean I, I can get your application to the top of this okay <laughs> i have it in the car i was you hoping the resume. Yeah. You, were, you were hoping i would bring this right. up uh yeah i i just think creating something out of nothing is exciting to me so, so what are you doing in? doing docs doing documentaries uh, yeah i'd love to i have an idea for a great 30 for 30. i have the rams moving from st louis yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna be bidding on that then together. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I there I think there's there's a lot to be done out there that that isn't being done. But but who doesn't think that? I I don't know. I don't know if that's realistic. But I I think once I get to a certain point, doing the you know the creating in and maybe writing or doing that kind of stuff is is what will capture my attention. I I want to. You know, at some point, these boys are going to be five, six, seven years old doing stuff, and I want to be there, not climbing on a plane. I don't want to be doing Thursday night football, uh -huh. Sunday football, you know, for the entire chunk of an NFL season, then doing the baseball postseason, then doing golf and doing all this other stuff. I think, you know, kind of making my own schedule and and doing stuff that interests me, um, create creatively is is really where I want to go. When we uh, did that Q and A at the Improv Shop, you said. I'm done with baseball after this contract. Yeah, that was a lie. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. It, that it, got a bunch of attention. And I didn't even it tweet did. it out. I don't even know how it got attention. I I think maybe Caesar, Dan Caesar, he heard it? it, wrote it. Okay. Then, you know, those guys all pick off each other's right. columns. Yeah, the aggregate. So, so uh, yeah. So I, that is not the case. It's not the case. 
Um, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and baseball, and golf. And golf. Yeah, probably for the next five years. And then, you know, we'll see after that. But part of of the reason why I've enjoyed the baseball the last couple of years is John. I mean, I I love working with John Smoltz. He he makes my job easy. We have fun. Um, And and I've I've enjoyed getting to know him better. Uh, He's a great obviously a great golfer and somebody that, you know, if we're in the right city in October, we can right. sneak out and play, but uh, it's just been, it's just been fun again. And, uh, that, that's kind of kept me, uh, thinking that I want to continue with it. And, and again, you know, like I said to you back then, I can want to do whatever I want to do. It, it takes the other side to want me to do it at some point. If it hasn't already happened, everybody's, going to be tired of me calling these national events and somebody else will get a chance to do that i don't i don't know i know you think that i don't think that's the case but that's, it, but that's fine that's the way life is and you but know, when you hear like still al michael's voice you know or occasionally when costas is doing play-by-play and of course yours it's like it makes it, it feels bigger because they hear but someday it'll voice. be somebody else who needs to establish himself to make it feel bigger to another generation of people that grow I up with I, that. I think That's just the, the way that you works. You and Michaels and, and Costas, and I might be inadvertently leaving somebody out. Uh, you know, I think it. I think it. I think it transcends that that rule that I agree with. Usually happens in the evolution of a broadcasting career. I think you can do it for as long as you want. Yeah, but I. I, I this is for sure true. I'm not gonna grow old in the booth. I've I've seen that. I've I've lived that with my dad, and I. I know what it takes out of you. Um, you know, by the, by the end, he was just doing Cardinal stuff. Uh, and, and that I think, and on one hand kept him alive on the other hand, just wore him out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being in the public eye, I think in this day and age is a lot more mentally and emotionally taxing is it for as just wimpy as that sounds. I, I think at some point you just kind of want to call time out and, and go, live your life or at least i do I, i've been you, at this for a long time since i was a little kid i feel like so we'll see where it goes but i i, I can't imagine doing this kind of a schedule past the next five years really? but, but you know i said that a year ago and, yeah. and it's not the case but you stay away from looking at that crap now i feel like yeah i i, I don't i i've had like you know really deep dive is they're doing a documentary on game seven of the 2003 ALCS that was Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone. And so they, they want me to, who's talk they about, like, F- Fox I don't Sports? even know. I think Fox sports is doing it. I don't know who, who the exact people are, um, that are producing it, but they want to talk to me cause I was in the booth. And then, so I said, you know what? I mean, I, I know Aaron Boone won the game with a home run off Tim Wakefield. The first, Five hours of that thing, I can't remember. You're that Grady to, Little left Pedro, Grady, pulled Pedro or left Pedro left him in, left him in, and the lead was gone. Yeah, and you know this this was pre two thousand four, obviously. So you've it's got another the tortured Red Sox the, story. You know they they had a chance to go to the World Series. That was when the Cubs were on the other side, and they had the Bartman thing happen mm. to them. So there was a lot going on. So they sent me the link to the game, and I listened to it. I'm like, eh. You're not even like listening to myself back then because it was there were some times where like today there was a flare that tied the game by the Yankees and two runs scored to make it five five in the I don't know eighth or whatever it was. 
And it's just so monotone. And I, I look back on that and I'm like, God, that, that needed to be bigger. Now the game winning home run was good. The call was good, but there've been times where I think, and you and I've talked about this a million times where I got sucked into taking over for Summerall and trying to do the less is more trying yeah. to get not emotionally involved when these moments are massive and, uh, in, in our world. So, you know, they, they deserve a big call. Now, if I go screaming and yelling and then the Red Sox fans think I'm anti Red Sox because two runs just scored in the seventh game of an ALCS, then he, I would rather somebody say, you hate my team than you don't want to be there. And, and that, that is, uh, I think it might've been, a, it might've sounded that way. I loved being there, but I was trying to cool play it. And now I, I feel like I can just kind of let loose. And it, it's li- a much better feeling. You didn't like your call of the Cardinals winning in 06, did you? Right? <laughs> the worst. I, I Jay, Jay, like Jay, Literally, that's the one that you say is the worst? or it's. I can't listen to it. Wow. But Jay Delsing had texted me during that or called me during that World Series, and he was somewhere with uh, Roger Maltby. Wow. And I, Maltby was or is a Tigers fan. And Delsing texts me and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm here with Maltby. He's like, he thinks it's bullshit that you should be able to call the world series. Cause you're <laughs> from, you're from St. Louis. And obviously you're rooting for the Cardinals with every call. I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I, I kind of laughed it off and then, but you keep hearing that. And then you go to Detroit and then, you know, now I, I get that so much from San Francisco and I go, I wonder why that is because I get as excited for San Francisco as I do for the Cardinals. That's kind of my job. And the Cardinal fans think I hate the Cardinals, mm-hmm. but then you look at the highlights and there's my dad's face on the outfield wall. So what, <laughs> what do you think they think? So, you know, you kind of get it, right. but that, that, that slow drip in 06, seeped in deep enough to where. So you were conscious and intentionally totally conscious and like, Hey, I'm just going to, nobody's going to be accusing me afterward of, you know, being beside myself with excitement because, you know, the Cardinals won. Now, you know, I, I will forever because of the way I grew up, there's a part of me that lives and dies with the Cardinals. I don't care what year it is, what I'm doing in life. It was the case when I was five and it's the case when I was 13. It'll probably be the case when I'm 88, but Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting there doing it, I have to be impartial Mm -hmm. and and i can do that i can i feel like i can do that but i do that better now than i used to do it and that call stunk it's it's terrible wow what 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 was the call for the first time since 82 the cardinals Cardinals have a winner or have a world series winner which i which i thought was a (laughs) true I thought was a tribute to your father. It was, but okay. it lacked that's a winner a world series winner for the cardinals yeah it's exactly what it was so it was like a little nod toward it, but the voice inflection was that of a person that was about one second from flatlining. <laughs> so never again will I fall into that trap, and I will be accused more of yelling more than I should than I will of trying to play it down the middle. Uh-huh. I, I, what I, I guess what I'm saying is for every big moment, I'm going to get excited, whether it's for the Bengals or the Cardinals or the USC Trojans, they all deserve, uh-huh. they deserve moments on TV with the guy getting excited, not making the call about himself, but it's, it's an exciting moment. Otherwise, in some ways you're telling the audience, why are you bothering watching this? Because it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to ask you on this one and put you in an awkward spot. 
but I've already gotten my controversy with the Kelly Chase story. I mean, that, right, yeah. that's, that's, that's huge. Uh, I think you're going to move to Los Angeles. Now, nobody's told me this at all. I just, I'm just doing the math. You got your SC hat on Trudy's there. It just would make sense. My, it would make sense. Um, I don't think I'll ever, I don't know. I don't, I, I think if that move's going to happen, it's going to have to happen in the next couple of years. I could see us going to LA think for the, because of your two because sons. Of the boys. Yeah. I think you need to, they need to be somewhere and that, needs to be where they are because there's no reason for them to move because of what i'm doing i mean being a national play-by-play guy i could live anywhere so i i would say we will have a place we go to but i'll i i will tell you this and this is the god's honest truth i'll never not have a place here i mean my mom is here my sister's here boys are here um my kids call this home my daughters call this home but yeah, I, th- I think we'll either go to L.A. or Denver, uh, which is where, where Michelle's, Michelle's from, and and, and kind of split time. But I, I, I'll never be pulled up stakes and out of here. Mm. No way. Mm. I, it's just, you know, I, I, I feel like if you grow up here, it's just, you, you get it. If you don't, like my wife really likes St. Louis, but it's hard as a... 40 year old to come into St. Louis. Isn't and, it? And that's so unfortunate too. That it is. sucks. It's, it's a really provincial town, but right. if you're in the province, then you're okay. <laughs> yeah. If you're a new, she gotten into the province. Um, no, but we don't really have, See, I feel terrible. Like, I feel like Anna Marie and her would have been good friends. We only hung out, I think once, I think. Yeah. Like, you know? No. Yeah. But that's the thing. You meet people and it doesn't matter where you are. Right. It's just, you know, it's like you have to make a conscious effort to add somebody into your life. Yeah. And now we've added two little people into our lives and we have, you know, help that's coming during the day. And it's like you, you're just juggling all this stuff. And it's like, do you really want to go out with people or do you want to just go sit in the corner table at brick tops and not <laughs> lift your head? And uh, that's kind of where we are right now. I understand the whole thing. Well, you, But you encouraged me to move to New York City. 11 years ago, the difference yeah. being career, yeah. career versus leaving St. Louis. Yeah. But, but to your credit, you've made your little empire here, which I, you wouldn't have done in New York. And you're kind of your own boss in New York. You're jumping for everybody and they can do a firing at a higher level. And all of a sudden the new guy comes in he's like, I don't like that guy yeah. or I have my own guy and goodbye. Yeah. And that's, you know, fortunately and I've always said this, and it's the truth. Working at Fox, I, I don't know any different. I've heard stories from friends. I've heard stories, obviously, from my dad being at CBS and other places. You know, they, it, at least you know there, there's a personal touch and there's a freedom working at Fox that I have that I would not get if I left and went to NBC. You think so? If I, yeah. I, I just— because, I, because of Fox. Because it's Fox. Because it's Fox. Because and I grew because up you were with there from the beginning people. of it. Yeah. I grew up. My boss was the broadcast associate, which is basically like a runner uh, for the number two team, uh, which was Dick Stockton and Matt Millen uh, when Fox first started, and now he's running Fox Sports. So there's there's they promote from within. So everybody that I was there with in 94 has somehow either been there or at NFL Network, which poached a lot of the Fox people because they were the only network out in L.A. 
And and so you know everybody, and it's just a friendly. It, it doesn't feel like a network existence, and that's that's the best thing. That's I can a great say. thing because you're obviously close with Troy. You love Smoltz. You were just raving love about Smoltz, him. Love Smoltz. Love Troy and love Azinger and the people. It's not just. It's not the people that you. Did you see. know? Yeah, it's the crew. It's, it's the crew. Right. It's the Steve Horn. I'm a Steve Horn lemming. Yeah, I'm a Steve Horn guy through and through. He's great. Oh, he's the and, best. And they they know what he is. If I showed up at NBC and I said, "Oh, I need an editorial consultant," they're like, "You need a staff." That guy, we have a hundred of them. <laughs> right. No, I don't no, need. It's got to be Steve. You no, understand? I don't want I, anybody can Google something or, you know, uh, go online and find the hit. You know, who who hit, who won the batting title in 1988? Okay, but it's how do you put that into context and what is how does that, you know, flash forward 30 years and now why is that relevant? What was that type hitter and what was he hitting? You know, like the curveballs made a big come back in the game and uh-huh. you know back in the day we remember when the split fingered pitch was kind of invented and created by roger craig was teaching his entire yeah. staff that roger and, craig you know you start bringing old points back and figuring out how it applies to now that that's the beauty of somebody who's as smart as steve and and you know he can go back to the 60s and so when you can do that you you appear smarter than you might actually be yeah uh, it works uh and it, I, I would imagine that that's the place that it's going to be for good i wanted to ask about this um you told the story on stern about aaron andrews wedding and you were sitting next to larry david is, mm-hmm. is this is this yeah is, is this an accurate yeah i mean to... i i'm smart enough to know that uh is it 1145 uh it's 1146 actually so i have to correct you yes i have to go um <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've gotten to know Larry David over the years because he comes down to this place in Mexico and I met him at Madison Club, this Discovery Land thing. I've and been there with you. Yeah. So it's where we flew with Anthony Kim. That's right. <laughs> My God. How obscure is that reference? So obscure. That but was yeah, one of the great flights of all he time. He was there at the wedding, uh, and was sitting behind me at the wedding and then at the same tables, Aikman, his wife, Michelle, me, and Larry David. At, at the table and it just he is exactly like the character that's him and uh he just makes me laugh i mean i i i much prefer him in real life than acting but uh he's just he's just he's really a good guy and and really a sports fan and and fun to be around and then he come up and visited you in the booth or is yeah, yeah he's yeah. been up and yeah. uh you know he'll he'll send me texts and oh he, really yes yeah, i mean like during a game after a game and he'll make fun of like there's a big critic in the New York Post, Phil Mushnick. That, Hell yeah. He's like, I thought that was great. Mushnick hated it, but I thought that was great. <laughs> just just stuff that kind of make you smile yeah. on the way out of the booth. It's great. Do you ever, do you ever catch yourself? Because one of the things that I think is a misnomer by you is Joe Buck, he's so arrogant. I'm like, God, if there's anybody like it's he's like the antithesis of arrogance, but I mean I'm not gonna like become Captain Savaho to you on Twitter if it's right. a random guy in St. Louis and go, hold on a second, I know Joe and he's not arrogant, then I yeah. get lit up. Does it bother me? I that's the well, one no. thing I hate. That's the one oh, criticism really? of me. I, yeah, because I've tried to live my life like you said, I try to live my life the opposite of right. that. Arrogance is is brutal. I mean you can be arrogant I, I think all the and I'm not putting myself in this category, but like a surgeon, if somebody's going to open me up and operate on my heart, I want an arrogant guy or girl who's going to walk in there and go, I'm, I'm going to make this guy fine. I, I, there, there's 
well placed arrogance or mm-hmm. ego or whatever it might be. Well, I would be. describe that as confidence. Yeah, confidence. Like when you step in the booth, you're probably not even sweating it. You know it's going to go well. You don't think twice. Yeah, I, you have to be confident, right. or you'd get run over. Right. You you would you would never open your mouth. But there's a difference between see, I associate confidence as a positive, arrogance as being like I, I don't have time for this. Which it's however you, you want to define it. But I but there's, I, I think that's a difference because then it gets in how you treat people and yeah. you treat people well. And so that I've always tried to, in fact. You know, I, I will. Tr- I'm I'm more likely to treat the random stranger better than I do the clo- those closest to me. Mm-hmm. I think, and then that's a frustration for those closest to you. Those closest <laughs> to me. It's yeah. like, man, God, did this? You just talked to this guy that came up and wanted to talk about your dad for the last 20 minutes, and now you know you're pissed at me because I'm taking too long to get out of the restaurant. <laughs> but that's yeah, I. Uh, I, I've tried, but who's going to sit on a, with a microphone in front of their face and go, oh, no, I'm arrogant. You know, I'm, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, it is, but it, that's the thing. It's what I see away from the microphone. Yeah, the but stuff that's, the li- that's real life. I mean, nobody, you know, I, I would much rather go down as a great dad and a nice person than somebody who's, you know, called a bunch of world series or whatever. I, it just doesn't matter, but it's the real life stuff that that's what you die with. And, and I, I feel like I've always treated people the way I'd want to be treated by them. Mm-hmm. And and you credit that to your your dad and your mom. Yeah, yeah. I I think my mom, you know, my mom gets the the kind of the raw end of the deal. My mom did everything. My my dad was gone and this was not it was gone. He was gone for 2 weeks and then he'd come back and he'd go to the station and then he'd do the So yeah, I my mom is a shirt off her back kind of person. My dad was that way. And, you know, I, I saw my dad treat everybody the way that I think he would hope they would treat him. And he wasn't doing it for show. He was doing it because I think he felt really fortunate. He grew up with nothing. He was shot in World War II and he had this great career that, you know, everything, he worked his ass off, but everything fell in for him. And when he was coming up, you know, he and Harry were, uh, you know, Harry was the big dog, but then Harry was gone. And then it was my dad's turn. And, and he just treated people well to where they didn't want to not have him around. Yeah. I think you have to treat people a certain way so that they want to have you around. And I've, I, that's the way I treat people that I, that employ me. I I'm friends with them and I, I don't want them to think, Oh, you know, this jerk thinks he's bigger than he right. is because eventually they're like, you know, go away. I don't, I will, we'll, we'll get somebody else so along those lines when you're in the midst of like the saturday night live after party or whatever you might be doing playing golf with fred couples and watching him hit the ball you know whatever he's doing you're catch yourself going god i can't believe that i'm doing like yeah yeah i mean like when i was like traveling around a couple times that we did i'm like this is just the greatest fucking thing ever how did i get it's fun i it's it's a fun life but i appreciate it and i don't take it for granted and i think and life has a way of slapping you back if if you're if slapping you down if you get too big and you know when i had my vocal cord issue and i thought everything was done i that was a big come to jesus moment not not because i was any different personally but i think on the air i was taking a lot of stuff for granted and mm-hmm. once my voice came back i thought never again and i'm going to have the best time they they're going to have to punch the smile off my face because I, I love this so much, but it's time I show how much I love doing what I do. And if people don't like it, then they don't like it. But I, at some point I will have been at Fox for 30 years. So, um, 
beyond having a famous dad, beyond having somebody that, you know, showed me the ropes, I've done something right, or I wouldn't be there that long. They, they, they'd chew you up and spit you out 10 times faster mm -hmm. at that level. Yeah. Sir, I've taken way more time than I anticipated. You son of a bitch. <laughs> somebody get my car. I, I, Bring I it knew it anyway. It's the Lamborghini. And then you go, what time is it? I'm like, oh, fuck, I went way too. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a, that's, that's I got to have like Stern. It's like Stern. I, I walk out of here. <laughs> so thank Lord. you very much. I got to go. Bye. <laughs> so there it is. My conversation with Joe Buck here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Joe Buck, our guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. We welcome him aboard as a new sponsor here on the Tim McKernan show, as we broadcast from the homeloanexpert.com studios, really enjoyed that conversation. I knew I, I kind of, it was kind of one of those things. I'm trying to think of some of the other interviews that we've done where I knew it was going to be like chase Kelly, Kelly chase, who really wound up becoming the story of the interview. Actually, uh, you know, people go, God, I love the Kelly chase interview. And I'm like, you could have had a, a five-year-old do the Kelly chase interview. Kelly chase is just that fucking good. Kelly chase interview is going to be good. So you're welcome to give me a compliment. But I didn't do shit just because Kelly Chase is that good. Well, Joe Buck's that good. So any clown could have done the interview. Uh, but I knew that uh, because of our rapport and that I wasn't going to go, so, you know, what do you think about the, the trade deadline, that he was going to be more interested in talking about uh, the random shit that we talked about. And uh, But, man, I got to tell you, when he said, what time is it, 1145, 1146? I'm like, oh, that's like Teddy KGB and the Oreo and Rounders. It's an insta-tell. It's an insta-tell. That I've that at this point I've gone too long, and that smarted a bit. I got to be honest with you, that smarted a bit. But I had to get the Larry David question in. But the Larry David question I knew was taking us in a new direction, and so he is a broadcaster who does interviews. Knew that I was going in a new direction, which meant we weren't done. When I think he was thinking we were done, and that's when he said, "What time?" And I feel awful about it. I really feel. I feel so bad about it. I almost want Iggy to edit it out. But since I'm talking about it, obviously we're not editing out. But I really. I, if I could have that one back, that's a, that's a five foot putt that I, uh, that I missed and I'd like to have back, but I enjoyed talking with him, uh, especially since the last time we did an interview was the Q and a down at the improv shop. And he made it, he it wasn't even making an announcement. He was just saying, I'm, I'm done with baseball when this contract's up. And now he has said, well, I lied. I think his intent was to be done with baseball, but he's not. Uh, and then also getting into all of the stuff with, uh, Kelly chase and the Brooks Kepka thing, which I just didn't think was that big of a deal. But I heard Joe on the No Laying Up podcast beat himself up over it. And then he's sitting here with me and he's beating himself up over it. And I'm like, man, I just I think you're thinking it's a much bigger deal than everybody else did. And if Chase thought it was a big deal, Chase wouldn't have texted him. But as both Joe and I know, and as many of you listening know, Chase loves to bust balls. And so he may be a little aggressive on sending the text right after the U.S. Open and the misidentification of Brooks Kepka's girlfriend. And uh, and so now we have the inside baseball on the uh, the Kelly Chase-Joe Buck feud that uh, Joe has uh, explained now on the program. In addition to that, also, uh, if, you know, anytime I think people love hearing when somebody's passionate about a team, and Joe, of course, is passionate about the Cardinals, but you heard his passion regarding the Blues and everything that they have done. And then also we just got into some good golf nerddom, Howard Stern, Larry David story. So enjoyed the hell out of the conversation. I could have gone longer, but once I heard what time is it, 1145, at that point I knew it was time to tap out and let the man go. But uh, we got an hour and a half and enjoyed the hell out of it. Without our sponsors, none of it's possible. Uh, we're talking about our new sponsor, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at 314-889-0503 or online at evergreenstl.com. 
We're talking about our studio sponsor, Ryan Kelly, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Whether you're buying a home or you're refinancing, Ryan Kelly is the person to contact, and he can and will save you money. We're talking about James Carlton of James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency at 314-961-4800. And we're talking about Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 and the Washington Elizabeth exit and online at Landoff.com. It's where Anna Marie got her car from recently, and it's where we're going to be getting our cars going forward. I have gotten to know the Landoff family, think the world of them, and therefore don't hesitate to recommend them to you. Online, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at Landoff.com, or go out and see a real family-run business that's been doing it for decades at Highway 270 and the Washington Elizabeth exit. If you enjoyed Joe Buck, you're going to enjoy our guest next week, Rich Gould uh, also would fall under the umbrella of the random family tree. Uh, this one would probably fall under the umbrella of the super random family tree because uh, I don't know. I, I, I actually don't know what the hell Rich and I talked about. I just know I nearly pissed myself. And so this is going to be one you're really going to enjoy. That's coming up next on the Tim McKernan show. Uh, and thank you all as always for listening and thank you to our sponsors for supporting it. Hope you enjoyed Joe Buck. If you did, please leave a positive review on iTunes or wherever you may podcast and please support the sponsors for our producer, Kenny Iggy Strode, intern Jack on the videography. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan show on the inside STL podcast network from the home loan studios.